Hunt gets a breather. Here comes Nick Chubb. Chubb breaking tackles. And Chubb in for the Browns. Touchdown. Really special in the fourth quarter. And the point after is no good. Jets offensive line holding up well there. Flacco wide open. It's Davis. Davis wow. waltzes in for the touchdown. Trying to convert. Then his onside kick. He goes near side Has of it. the field. Who's got it? It's still loose. I think and the Jets. The Jets. Got it. No signal yet. Now they say Jets football for the Jets. Flacco over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Garrett Wilson. The Jets trying to pull a miracle comeback. 15 yards straight. I tell you what, gents, it was uh, almost as difficult to actually make that highlight edit as it was to actually watch it in real time. I uh, just, yeah, it was one of those where I'm doing it and I'm thinking, do I really have to do it? And I think, well, if I'm doing highlights for the rest of the year, I've got to. Anyway, welcome to the Believe in Brits podcast, everybody. Um, obviously, this is, I, I want to think, think that this is going to be an hour of catharsis for everyone, you know. We're hurting after yesterday. Yesterday was a was a bad two minutes, of which is likely to uh, be felt for many weeks to come. But I want this to be a place of healing almost. So welcome to the Healing Brits podcast with uh, myself, Josh Enwood, and uh, with me, uh, as ever, as it seems to be, Sean. Um, how are you feeling, buddy? I wish you'd have given us the memo, mate, that this was the healing game. I was expecting to be able to sort of rant and rave and get everything off my I chest. I mean, it's, fine, it's the Catharsis Brits podcast. It's, you know, no matter what you're going to say, you're going to feel better by the end of it. That's the point. That's the memo. Yeah. No, that's fine, mate. No, look, it was a tough one, really tough one. We're going to get into it. Um, should mm. never have happened for a multitude of reasons. But, yeah, looking forward to breaking it down with you guys, as always. Yeah, a wine is that the uh, is that the same for you? I, I, last night on the WhatsApp group, there was a lot of pent up aggression. Are we going to see some of that out here tonight? Yeah, I think obviously um, it was tough to take at the time last night, wasn't it? I think it was a bit a bit of mm. shell shock. I think I'd be lying if I said that the possibility as soon as we missed our feet, uh, point after that the possibility of them scoring quickly and then the onside kick and then scoring again didn't cross my mind, but you know, I thought that was, you know, a little bit of pessimism and, you know, silly thinking of me. But then then it goes and happens. So, yeah, it was a tough one to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you even messaged me to say, uh, don't don't say that this is one of which you'd rather have because that could come back and, you know, lo and behold, it did anyway. Um, let's break it down. So with this podcast today, we're going to do the same as what we did last week. We'll break down this game we're going to go for a good the bad and the ugly but the opposite way around so we end with a bit of positivity rather than just focusing on the negatives there were some positives to take away from yesterday's game i promise you there are if you look deeply enough and then after that simon from the uk steelers podcast will join us for a preview of thursday's game we get to rectify this pretty quickly chaps it's thursday of which we play the steelers on Thursday night football or Friday morning football, depending on where you are in the world. 
and then we'll just do some uh, quick pickums. And if we've got time, we'll do a little bit of barking mad as well at the end, just to pick ourselves up. Anyway, let's do a quick breakdown of the game yesterday. So it was a 31-30 win for the Jets. Um, the Cleveland were 30 points to 17 up with just two minutes and three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Nick Chubb was the standout offensive player of the day with three touchdowns, even though he only got 87 yards on the day, still was able to punch in those three TDs. Jacoby Brissett also actually had quite a good day at QB, um, went over the Magic 200 marker this week with 229 yards, 22 off 27 for a TD and that final play interception. Um, yeah, not going to get too much into the rest of the stats now because I think that's going to come into the uh, into the good, bad, and the ugly. Like I said, we'll do it backwards. And essentially, chaps, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to outline as to what I think are the ugly, the bad, and the good points, and then you guys just jump in. I think that if we do that instead of uh, just our um, key takeaways from the game because we're all going to say the same thing if we do it that way and it's all going to be on the defense but we'll start off with ugly of which is just how quickly it snowballed so like I said 30 points for 17 up with 2 minutes and 3 seconds left in the 4th the win probability from Nick Chubb crossing the plane reached 99.9% there was no way that we should have lost this game at all and then here's the series of events missed point after the touchdown we have KD seemingly veering to the right it was a, it was an odd swerve it's almost like he's hitting off the outside of his boot um a 66 yard touchdown immediately after with one play the onside kick recovery of where cleveland seemed to be completely um unaware of the uh, switch kick option then the um, drive to goal thereafter, and then Jacoby Brissett throws an interception after getting a couple of good plays to start the drive towards a potential game-winning field goal. Um, Sean, I believe that you've uh, been able to find out a stat for us in regards to when the last time this uh, this sort of anomaly happened. It kind of proves us just how ugly this got. Yeah, really, really ugly. And ironically, it was the Browns that last did this. So, yeah, it was from week nine in 2001. Teams that have been in this position in terms of being up 13 points in the last two minutes had won the last 2,229 consecutive games when they were in that position. The Browns yet again on the wrong end of a stat that you do not want to be on the wrong end of. Um, ironically, as I say, it was the Browns back in week nine of 2001 against the Bears. Um, the Browns obviously now own that record yet again after an absolute capitulation in the last two minutes. And yeah, ugly is a very, very polite word for what those last two minutes were. To be fair, you could probably go back a little bit further than two minutes because there were some issues on the last drive, which we may well get into. Um, you know, look, collectively the coaching staff in particular have to take a huge amount of responsibility for what happened in the last few minutes. Although with that being said, players need to start being accountable for what they're actually putting out on the field. It's very easy to blame coaches and look, we work, well, they, these guys work in a business. It's the same with football in the Premier League. 
that you know managers get sacked, coaches get sacked because you can't sack all of the players. So ultimately, somebody takes the fall and it ends up being the guy in charge. As much as I'm not a Joe Woods fan, and I believe Joe Woods has got plenty of things wrong and will continue to get plenty of things wrong, I'm pretty sure he didn't call for a complete busted coverage on that play to Corey Davis. There's just no way that that was the coverage that was called. Um, you know, whether it's communication issues, whether it's the wrong player in the wrong spot, whether it's the fact that, you know, personnel for whatever reason aren't getting their assignments locked down. Um, I think the ugly has continued post game. I've been really interested in the press conferences today. They seem to be almost throwing each other under the bus. Denzel Ward sort of saying, that wasn't my coverage. John Johnson saying, well, we've got coverage, but not everybody's communicating or not everybody's hearing what the communication is. And then you've got Grant Delpit trying to be a little bit diplomatic by saying, I'm not going to play the blame game. Now, that either means that he's the guy to blame and that's his easy way out, which could well be the answer. And he's nodding his head. So it may well be that actually it is on Grant Delpit. Um, but look, regardless of who it is, whoever it is, needs to be identified. You know, we don't know what the coverages were in terms of what they were called. There's only certain people that do, and those people need to take ownership. They need to take responsibility. And whether that's changing the personnel that's on the field, look, if it is Grant Delpit, he had a terrible game yesterday. Let's be let's be completely honest. I know that he's a player that we expect a lot from. We probably almost are expecting too much if you think about it. He's a young player, didn't get an awful lot of playing time. Um, you know, during his rookie campaign and then last season, obviously working his way back from injury. He's hardly seen the field really in three years. All of a sudden, he's playing 100% of the defensive snaps the last two weeks. If this is too big for him at this moment in time, I'm not denying the kid's got lots of talent. I don't watch enough college football to really make an educated opinion on that other than what everybody else tells me, what else I can read that's online, all of the draft gurus that said coming out he was going to be an excellent prospect in the NFL. Those things all still ring true. He probably just needs to be taken out the firing line for a little bit. Because at the moment, you know, we said that the bad was the last two minutes. And trust me, that really was the ugly. The bad was the defence for the other 25 minutes the Jets were on the field. Because there were Jets wide receivers wide open all game long. All game long. And invariably, hate to say it, more often than not, the closest person to it was Grant Delpit. Whether that was by design, whether that was just coincidence, like I say, I don't really care. All I want is it to be fixed, and it certainly wasn't fixed during the game yesterday. There were no in-game um, adjustments made, and that's the biggest concern for me. There were no adjustments made. The Jets moved the ball at will all game long, and when they got that ball back, it was inevitable what was going to happen. I joked yesterday, yeah. let, them, let them score and save the clock. Because it was pretty you did, obvious. And I actually agreed with you. Yeah, I agreed with you at the obvious. time almost because it was very obvious. And actually, this comes to a different point that I was going to make. So there's been a lot of, um, I, I think that already there's a lot of people who have gone, oh, if only we'd made the PAT, um, then obviously this becomes a bit more of a non factor. I think that they would have gone for two and scored it, personally. It was that kind of game where. Well, that kind of momentum drive where Flacco would have just backed himself. And when you're looking at that that defense, that secondary in particular, you, you could probably find a hole there quite easily. I, I actually think that it would have been almost elementary at that point. 
Um, I like what you said about the um, the press conferences. A lot of them have been very, it, it, it has seemed very tip for tat so far, and not just between themselves in the secondary, but also um, just looking at the fans, uh, just to round off the ugly before we look at the defense. Um, now, Miles Garrett, for example, after the, after the game, and this could well be emotions and all the rest of it, but, you know, Garrett saying, you know, fans shouldn't be booing, they shouldn't be giving up on the Browns this easily, um, you, you know, and going down that path, you know, saying it was really disheartening. Whereas um, Johnson, who I think gets it a little bit more, you know, he's, you, you know, he's been a Cleveland, he's been around the area, etc., saying, you know, they de- they deserve to be able to air that grievance because of just how bad it was. Um, I mean, Owen, let's uh, let's kick off with you here. You know, where where do you fall down on this? Because you know, I, I look at it, for example, and I think that you know, it's it's inevitable that you're going to get booze when you concede two touchdowns in the space of uh, 123 seconds. Yeah, I think you know, there's differences. I think Baker comes up and says it last year. Um, and get slammed for it. But I think what Baker was trying to come out and say last year was during the game, it was really unhelpful, the booze, because they obviously needed to get the play calls out on offence. And and for me, that's counterproductive. The booing is counterproductive when the game is going on. But after the game, it's, it's fair game for me. Like the, the fans have invested time, a lot of time, a lot of money, um, into watching the Browns and they deserve to get booed after that. There, there's no doubt about it. It was a shambles. Um, from minute one to the end of that game, the defence was just getting torched. I said in the first half to um, to a couple of the boys in the, in a group chat that, that we were just getting torched all over the field. Like We were playing s- soft zones all game and Garrett Wilson yeah, was just feeding zones. off it. Feeding off it. And, and like Sean said, you know, Delpit's had an absolute torrid yesterday. There's no other way to to describe it. Like you said, every time there was a big play, Delpit was there. And I think we talk we talk about, you know, the, the coverage bust at the end. He had two coverage busts last week, don't forget as well. The the streak um the, the tight end run last week was Delpit. And then although you know, mostly Newsom was to blame for the second one. Delpit should have been over the top as well on that one. So, but you look at it this this week, and we we're talking about <clears throat> coverages, and, and we us not knowing, not knowing what the coverage was on that play. If if you look at where the where the players are lined up in the secondary on that play, and as soon as the ball snapped, it looks as if Newsom, John Johnson, or whoever the left side cornerback is. John Johnson and Denzel Ward, it looks as if, to me as if they're in cover two. Because yeah. the two, and Denzel Ward has said as much in his in his press conference, Denzel Ward sits in the... Um, yeah, it looks like cover two all the way, to be yeah, fair. it looks like cover two. But then, I think this may be where the communication issue has come from. It looks to me like Grant Depp is trying to play cover three because he starts dropping in. Yeah. to the centre of the field as as a cover three, you know, as a cover three player. And then that leaves that gaping hole because Denzel's already sat in the flat and, you know, Corey Davis is wide open down the, down the sideline on the streak because Delpit isn't there. So, yeah, it, you look at it, Delpit looks to blame for a lot of the bad things yesterday. Like we said, 
we were playing too soft as well, which has been an issue with Joe Woods for the past two seasons as well, leaving teams back into games when we're, you know, two, three scores up through playing so softly. So there's plenty of blame to go around. And I agree with the coach and staff has to take responsibility. Whoever's got the green dot, that's been an issue today. It seems that Jacob Phillips and um, Anthony Walker seem to be sharing that job, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, no, I understand, obviously, when Walker's off the field, then that means Phillips is on the field and he's got the green dot then. But surely it makes more sense to give it to John Johnson, who's done it before, even done it for the Browns before, is on the field, you know, consistently. I, I don't... For me, like, I'm sure he... I'm sure John Johnson did have the green dot last season. So No, Walker did. Walker well, was Walker green dot last year. Yeah, so Walker was green dot last year. But... For Phil- Phillips is a player that's literally really playing a rookie season because he's been injured so much before. He's got a million other things to concentrate on his own game. So you would think that maybe giving him the green dot when he's on the field is a massive, massive mistake. Being, I think it was Walker on the field for that co- coverage bust at the end. I'll have to double check. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like a shambles like all the way through and... For a defence with so much talent, we've spoken about it a million times, that secondary, the talent involved in that secondary is, you know, second to a very, very few in the NFL, maybe Tampa Bay. Um, so, you know, yesterday and giving up 31 points to Joe Flacco just shouldn't happen flat out. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Sean, actually, uh, I know you wanted to pitch in there. What's what's your two pence on this before I uh, sort of wrap, wrap around the defence as a whole? Yeah, look, just wanted to come back in because, like I said, you know, I'm very much in the the Joe Woods has had enough of these games that, you know, his number should be up. At the end of the day, somebody has to take ultimate responsibility. The one thing I would say is Denzel Ward in his press conference or in his tweet, whichever one, I think his tweet was, you know, I think he was responding to somebody who said he got beat for like 100 yards and he's come back and said, oh, I was only targeted once. You don't know what coverage I'm playing, et cetera, et cetera. We paid that guy $100 million in this offseason, or we've given him a contract to that extent. When the game is on the line, quite frankly, who gives a shit about the tight end running in the flat? Let the tight end run in the flat. Put your best corner that you've just paid all that money and lock up the goddamn wide receiver. If Conklin catches that ball and he runs 15 yards up the sideline, so be it. The one thing you could not do yesterday, could not do, was give up a big play. The commentators were actually talking about that very thing and they said, oh, you know, the Panthers did this on the Browns last week, one play, and they were all of a sudden back in the game. And you're sitting there watching it thinking, well, they're not going to do that again, are they? They're not going to be that stupid and let this happen. Look at the situation they find themselves in. And this comes back to, like I was saying earlier, players have got to also step up and be accountable. Denzel Ward now, he's a veteran on this defence. He's been now in this, you know, his fifth year, I think, now with the team. You know, mm-hmm. Five years he's been with the team. He's in theory a leader on this team. John Johnson, when he was brought in, was brought in for leadership qualities and again was a really good player with the Rams. He's been underwhelming with the Browns. But they're two guys that should have easily just stayed. Look, whatever we called it, whatever coverage it is, whether it's cover two, cover three, don't care. Whatever we do, you cannot let somebody run over the top of you. And it's as simple and as straightforward as that. But ultimately, it does come down. So the coach is putting the guys in the right position. But also, if it's cover two, you expect Delpit to drop back. 
and, fo- and following round. Yeah, you can't. You can't ask. You can't ask Denzel Ward to break his mid cover and follow no, no, the guy listen, coming round. Yeah, listen, yeah. and that's what I say. I'm not saying what Denzel's assignment was. What I'm saying is, if Denzel's if Denzel's assignment was to cover the flat. What I'm saying is that's poor from the coaching perspective because surely yeah no that's why I just wanted to make that sure that, that you yeah. weren't yeah I just wanted no, to make no, sure that wasn't um, the case of getting him to break out of that middle no, because no, that was no. his role. Yeah, Denzel yeah. himself has had issues, I think, with Joe Woods' his, his scheme in the past. So I remember you were in last year that um, Denzel wasn't particularly thrilled to be playing so much off coverage in zone. He wanted to get mm. up and press, play press man corner, which, if we remember back to his which rookie, he is more he of a press light, man corner, yeah, lights out. And you you look at our two corners, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom are perfect to be able to play press man corner, perfect. So for me, that's what I would have been. Well, you know, it's easy for me to say. I I know nothing at the end of the day, but that's what it surely would have made sense to play more press man coverage yesterday against a rookie who had our pants down yesterday, by the way. Just put Denzel Ward up against him on the line, and if he, if he beats him, then fine. If he beats him, then fine. But the majority of the time, I'm expecting Denzel Ward to win that, that matchup. The, what, the goal line, so Garrett Wilson's first touchdown, he's up against... So press man coverage, Martin Emerson. Stick Denzel on him. Stick Greg, Greg Newsom. Why you stick him against the rookie third rounder? Who I'm guessing, if Martin Emerson played him last year for Mississippi State against Ohio, Garrett Wilson would have cooked him. So hmm. why on earth not just put Denzel on him there? To be fair to Emerson, though, um, you know, I think that actually Emerson had a had a cracking game yesterday. I think he was one of the few bright sparks in the uh, in that secondary yesterday. Obviously, he didn't see him a lot, so maybe it was a case of um, simply he didn't have the opportunity to get cooked. But um, you know, I think that he uh, did a lot like what the um, what the younger and uh, less experienced guys towards the end of last year did where they pulled out some good performances. I actually think that he uh, proved himself quite well in that one, but no, definitely uh, get your point. So let me, um, let me just pose this to you guys. Um, I can see that uh, on our Facebook page at the moment, there's a little bit of a uh, back and forth as well when it comes to um, the question in surrounding Joe Woods. Um, and, I think that really you need to take a look at it, look at it in general. And this I feel happens way too often. Um, so this was a, this was a game where the offensive line was, you, you know, there was nothing really to write home about. It was always going to be about can Joe Flacco, Flacco find the time to get the ball out quickly enough to his receivers. The Ravens did well at stopping them very, very quickly last week. They were going to double-team Miles Garrett, which is exactly what they did. Um, but this is the results of it. Two sacks, no interceptions, busted plays for massive yardage, eight for 15 on third down, and I'm pretty sure at one point it was a hell of a lot um, higher percentage than that during the game. 402 total yards from the team of which... Pretty much most of the nation, most of the states in terms of their power rankings had the Jets at 32 or at the very most 30. You know, 
and led by a guy who realistically should have retired before Ben Roethlisberger when we're looking at it. So, you know, I look at this and I see a couple of things personally. I see a team that didn't commit enough to the box to blitz. We did not blitz anywhere near enough when it comes to this offensive line and Joe Flacco. When we did, we weren't able to actually, we, we put in the wrong coverage, coverages and were burnt across the middle. And then when it comes to the end of the game, you know, we're talking about cover two, cover three, play prevent for God's sake. Bring Hugh Jackson back in and flip him, put in, put Jabril Peppers 40 yards outside the line of scrimmage. I don't care. Just stop the massive play. It seems like this this team does terribly under pressure when it comes to just creating simple defensive schemes. And quite frankly, I've had enough of it. And, you know, the question I'm going to pose to you, I'm, I say it every week almost because he pisses me off to all extent. You know, I, I think I mentioned fire Joe Woods about five times a game, but it would be stupid to do so, I think, in week two, because who would you replace him with? And I think you were absolutely right on our thread last night when you say that it most likely it would be the secondaries coach that would uh, take over. And he sounds like an absolute nightmare when you look at the secondaries. So, you know, there's not much else to do here, but is, here's the better question. Is Joe Woods on thin ice? 110 percent he is yeah I'm, I'm just looking through the the facebook comments now and you know um chris there is saying if we get to two and six we may as well leave it but i personally like joe woods if we get to two and six he's gone so he is he is gone because if we get to two and six or maybe two and eight or, or some some you know record along those lines God, if we get to two and six kevin might be gone uh, that that's where I would draw the line. I think he's safe no matter what happens this year because they've made this move for Watson. And at the end of the day, yesterday, Stefanski called a good game on offense again, exactly what you want him to do. We scored 30 points. If you'd have offered me 30 points last week, I'd have snapped your hand off it and would have thought that we'd have blown out the Jets, to be honest. So, mm. Well, we did. Is, we did for 58 minutes. Yeah, the problem is that Stefanski is going to have some tough decisions on his hands now because he's good friends with Joe Woods. He's good friends with Mike Prefer, who frankly probably shouldn't have been there this season. So next season, is it you know if he's still there, then I don't know what's going on because you know again his unit yesterday making a mistake at a crucial crucial time to give them the ball back to then go and score. So he's he's under a lot of pressure, but. Yeah, like you say, I think you fire Joe Woods now, then Jeff Howard comes in and Jeff Howard's responsible for the secondary who have been stinking to start this season. Um, what, another comment I wanted to bring up as well was, um, I think Spencer said that we haven't had a secondary for as long as he could re- can remember. I, I take, you know, I would take a different stance to that because I think last year for the majority of the season, they were really good. Especially you look back at games like the Vikings who, you know, have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and we locked them down and they scored like less than ten points. So what what's gone on here? I'm not I'm not quite sure. We did have the odd coverage bus last season, but that was you know, that was early part of the season as well. So why that's come back to 
to haunt them after such a good second half half the season. I don't know. Yeah. Um, right. I tell you what. Let's end on some positivity, shall we? I feel like we've gotten quite a lot out there in terms of the defense, and I feel like if we continue going, on, I'm not going to be able to watch that side of the ball, and that was the side I was most excited about to start the year. And stupidly enough, the side of which I was incredibly worried about in this game really balled out, I thought. Like you say, 30 points for the Browns. And snapped your hand off as well, or wine, quite quite honestly. Um, and they looked incredibly polished. Um, Brissett went for 22 off 27, and realistically should have finished on, I think it was 20 off 24. Um, he went for a TD, and of course that last second interception of which if he just put a little bit more on it, it actually would have got through to Cooper and it probably would have put us into field goal position. Um, Chubb and Hunt again sharing the responsibility quite evenly. Uh, Chubb got over 80 and I think Hunt got over 50 yards. A um, bit more on the passing side this time around and Amari Cooper ended up having quite the day. Uh, nine receptions, 101 yards and a touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't have a single reception. He was only targeted the once, which completely screwed my fantasy league, seeing as I brought him in thinking that he was going to be the go-to for the rest of the season. So uh, that's that kind of screwed over there. But um, when you look at that from an offensive point of view, um, do you both feel that if we can have that as our mens rea offensively, if that's our base, that we'll be able to hang in for some of the games of which you know you looked at and thought, you know, on another day with another quarterback with a better room, um, we would be in it, but we're not so far. Do you feel like those games, for example, are turning around just off the basis of? that performance from the offensive side of the ball. Sean, I'll start off with you, bud. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say to to sort of just calm expectations a little bit is that is probably the ceiling for this offense. I wouldn't say it's necessarily Mm. the base, as you've described it there. Mm. What we did yesterday was extremely efficient. Brissett was very, very accurate with the ball, very safe with the ball. The running game struggled really to get going until the fourth quarter yesterday. Um, but there was a lot of play action passing. There was, like I say, a lot of safe, secure throws. Um, we talked last week about Donovan Peoples Jones potentially becoming the sort of go to receiver. The one thing that really gives me a ton of confidence is they really must have studied the film last week. Because when you go back and watch the All 22 against the Panthers, Amari Cooper was open all day long. And that was exactly the same in this game. Me and Owen shared a couple of messages yesterday. What an upgrade this guy is at receiver. What mm. an upgrade. You know, we thought we thought we got two good receivers in terms of Landry and OBJ when they came. Let's not keep looking back, but that was the, the, the hype that we got. This guy is the business. He's a brilliant route runner. He always seems to be open. There was one play yesterday, I think it was his longest reception of the day, where he got matched up, I think, on one of their safeties. And he just set him up beautifully. And when the ball was delivered, there was not a Jets defender within three to four yards of him. Um, he was like that all day long. You know, obviously secured his first touchdown as well, um, which was good to see. The only thing we need to be careful of is, is you know, that the ball doesn't get forced that way all the time. And that's where these other receivers do need to step up. I think the Jets wisely on that final drive were blanketing Cooper because they knew that's where Brissett was going to go with the ball. Um, because if you actually look at the play before where Brissett scrambles, 
Cooper again, he's he's well covered. Mm. Um, you know, fair play to the Jets. Good in-game adjustments. Dare I say, well done there, <laughs> defensive coordinator. Um, hmm, weird that run, defensive adjustments yeah, winning games. Very, very strange. But look, our our run game will cause anybody trouble. Um, I continue to be impressed with James Hudson at right tackle. I don't care if Jack mm. Conklin's fifth. For me, he doesn't awfully this week, by the way. Sorry, he graded awfully. You, you know my view on PFF grades. We'll we'll move on. Um, you know, for me, he passed the eyeball test. You know, I don't think um, I don't think there was any issues again in terms of sacks given up. We got plenty of push. Um, you know, when it was required in that fourth quarter, it's almost like that run game just comes alive in the fourth quarter, isn't it? I don't know if they just get extra juiced up or or whatever the case may be. But all of a sudden, Chubb was ripping off twenty yard gains and fifteen yard gains. The only thing, and look, I'm not, I'm not putting this loss on the offense at all. But again, it comes back to coaching. You know, Chubb's getting a lot of flack for not, not going out of bounds or not getting down on the two yard line. There's an argument that could be made there. I think, look, yesterday nobody expects you to blow that kind of lead when you get to that kind of position. There was also examples in the drive before where Kareem Hunt was going out of bounds and he should have stayed in bounds and all those type of things. And these are really minor, but I think we also need to appreciate that at this moment in time. This football team needs to play to play pretty faultless football for sixty minutes to get the job done, and these are only minor criticisms, and they're certainly not anywhere near to the level of concern as what the offense is. Cage up missed an extra point. He won us the game last last week with a fifty-eight yarder. Have I got any concerns with Cage York? None whatsoever. Kickers miss. PATs, kickers mixed field goals, it happens. It's not a concern. He'll bounce back, I'm sure of it. Have I got any concerns with the run game? Not at all. But again, being really ultra-critical, really ultra-critical, the coaching should have been very simple to the guys. Guys, we're now at the two-minute warning. The Jets have got no timeouts. Even if we don't get 10 yards in the next three plays, the worst that's going to happen is Cade York's got a chip-shot field goal. And the Jets have got 35 seconds left on the clock because we'll just drain the clock to, for all it's worth. That's what good coaching does. Might not have been pretty, but actually it's very easy in hindsight. And that's what I say. I'm not criticising what happened. And that's that's the difficult thing with this. But I think we've also got to be balanced with our assessment here of, of what actually happened in there. You know, that I had zero confidence in the defence last night. You know, you guys were aware of that. We were talking throughout the course of the game. And to be honest, I sort of said it in jest when, when Chubb went in. I said he should have gone down, and it came back to bite me in the arse. Um, you know, that, that game was won. And it's a stupid thing to say, but if that offence had only scored 24 points yesterday, we'd have won the game. The fact that it scored 30 yeah. actually means we lost. Yeah, it's one of the stupid anomalies of the NFL, mate, but I personally never believe in it. I, I always think punch it in, and you should be able to trust you guys not to allow two Absolute, consecutive absolutely. scores with two minutes absolutely. to go, you know, but... Hey ho, we support the Browns. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, Wayne, any any last thoughts from you before we uh, head over and take a look at Thursday? No, not really. Just looking at. I know we'll we'll get on to it in a minute. I'm sure, but looking at Spencer's comment, there is is it dramatic to say the season's on a knife edge already? I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. Um, we looked at this first four games, or all, all of us, when we were doing the schedule game, and. And we sort of said we need to go four and zero. You know, looking at it realistically, we need to go four and zero. We lose against the Steelers Thursday, and I think, you know, you know how I felt about the schedule when when we played the game. Like if we lose on Thursday, I think we're toast. Um, 
you know, I'd love to yeah, be proven wrong. Yeah, you need wrong. to go 3-1 in this spell, minimum. Yeah, 3-1 in this spell. 100%. So all and of I a think... sudden, all of a sudden, it is a must-win. Yeah, and I think if, if you do win Thursday, then you, you can sort of look at that Jets game and, and feel slightly better about it, I suppose. Not the way that we did lose, but that loss yeah. being there, you, you can feel slightly better about it. But yeah, it's a massive, massive game Thursday. I think that I don't think that's understating it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a big game, but I think if you were going to go two and one, the best game to win is Thursday night. These divisional games are going to be mega important, and yeah. we caught a break yesterday with other people losing. Let's be honest, you know, I don't think anybody saw Cooper Rush beating the Bengals. Um, I don't think anybody that saw that helped a lot. Helped, helped massively. I don't think anybody saw the Ravens giving up a twenty-one point lead to the Dolphins yeah, in the fourth that, quarter. That, that, that helped, helped the mental massively. health. I've got to tell you, the mental health yeah, was exactly. helped a hell of a lot. <laughs> And look, the reality is, if we win on Thursday, all of a sudden you are top of the division in this early stage of the season. So, you know, look, all is by no means lost. But the problem is wins like yesterday that you had secured, that you've now sacrificed. This is where it sounds hyperbolic, but it comes back to bite you in the arse when you get down the stretch and you come to the wild card and it's games that, you know, you need this game to get in. And actually, it's like, well, actually, if we'd have just hung on and secured that win... We'd already be in. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's silly to think about that in a week two game, but we've all said how tight this AFC is going to be potentially. Um, that's the beauty of the NFL, though, isn't it? You have to actually play the games and look. You know, there's you know the Bengals look shocking. You know, I'm going to share a stat on the full ten yards podcast later. I think Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback of all time through two weeks of a season, and I think he's took 85 sacks in the last two seasons now combined. We're only two games into this season. He's took 85 sacks since the start of last year. Um, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. But Thursday is a big game. I know we're going to get onto it now. It's a brilliant time for us to actually get back on the field, though, because I think having to wait a whole week to try and right the rungs wouldn't have been good for anybody. So hopefully they can do it Thursday night. But as we know, Steelers game's never never an easy one, is it? It's not. And uh, I'll tell you what, let's bring in Simon from the UK Steelers podcast just on the other side of this incredibly quick break. And they start with a horrible snap all the way back to the two-yard line and the Browns bounce it into the end zone where they wind up with a touchdown of all crazy things. Yeah, sorry about that, Simon. Have wow, to do it. Are you going to set me up like that? <laughs> yeah, set you up like that, mate. But I was look. I actually had the script actually scheduled out, but your laugh completely threw me. Sorry, I was going to say, sorry. but God, how, but God, how things are different now. Um, thinking that it was going to be the start of an era, it's definitely um, taken a few twists and turns, shall we say? Um, but in any case, first of all, welcome along to the Believe in Brits podcast, uh, Simon. Great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. Cheers. Uh, yeah, no worries, mate. No worries. Um, obviously, a uh, a massive rivalry game on Thursday uh, under the lights and uh, at an indescribable UK time, as it should be. But um, first of all, let's uh, let, let's learn a bit more about the Steelers this year because you know sometimes we can be a little bit too in our shells and just looking at the results and all the rest of it. How how do you think the Steelers have uh, got on with their uh, starts of the season? So obviously an overtime win over the Bengals and then a close loss to the Patriots yesterday. Yeah, I mean after week one, I think uh, everything was up in the air. Um, that was one of those week one games where. You almost didn't know if you could take much from it because it was such a bizarre game. I'm sure a lot of people probably caught the end of it on Red Zone because it seems to just go on forever and ever. Um, but 
you know, so we, we didn't quite know, is this is this defence going to stick around? Obviously, you've got the TJ Watt injury impacting us from that first week and yeah. things seemed quite dour after the uh, the end of that first game when Najee looked injured as well. But uh, we got some good injury news, you know, we came back uh, seemingly looking uh, OK for week two, but obviously without TJ Watt. And you, you could really feel that the difference between week one and week two on the defence was just a sheer lack of pressure on Matt Jones, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, those one-on-ones that we were winning on the D-line just weren't there this week. Um, Cam Haywood, in, in a matchup we thought, would would dominate. Um, the rookie from Chattanooga, uh, Cole Strange, everyone's favourite number one <laughs> round draft pick, yeah. um, didn't, didn't seem to go down as easy as we thought. And, and there was really little pressure on, on Matt Jones. So that defence seemingly, you know, shaky without TJ Watt. But I think I, I trust them a little bit more to pull it together. The real problem, of course, is the offence. Um, Mitch Trubisky leading it right now, I think, is is not the answer. I think that's that's clear for all to see. But there's obviously a a deeper play calling issue going on as well. The Steelers have been playing scared now for you know a good two or three years offensively. It's all short plays, quick passing game, and a lot of people blame that on Ben's arm. And and we see it now that that was not the uh, the only excuse for that. Yeah, and that, that was going to be the next question as well. You know, we 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 tend to ask as to you know what the state of the team is and. The, the fact that when you look at the start of when you looked at the schedule and you saw the Bengals and the uh, Patriots first, that like the Patriots obviously coming off what was an impressive year for them, especially under Matt Jones, um, rookie year and getting to the playoffs. Um, you must have been expecting the worst, but seeing some good, uh, some good results out of it, the offense doing something at least to keep you into in games, probably a bit more than m- many outside, um, outside. Pittsburgh would have thought at the very least, you know, is is the offense rather stuttering? Is it is it more of a case of play calling? Yeah, it, this is the the golden question right now in Pittsburgh, and and you're seeing it on. You know, I'm a a, a keen follower of Pittsburgh Twitter, and uh, it, mm. it's very as, as we now. have to be of our respective yeah. teams. <laughs> Absolutely right, and and I'm seeing right now it's very sort of 33, 33, 33. Are we talking? It's a play calling issue. Is it an offensive line issue? Is it a Mitch Trubisky issue? And, and and people are really split on what the answer to that is. And and hey, it might be more than one. Um, but but what we are seeing is, like I say, they're living in the fear, fears on offense. They're very afraid to push the ball downfield. Um, you're seeing a few kind of I don't want to call it fluky plays, but but plays that seem to go right despite everything. Um, you'll, you'll get those be... against us. You'll get those yeah, right. Yeah, against yeah. Us. yeah. And that's that's just the NFL week to week, right? The defensive, uh, you know, the defensive side of the ball has to make the plays too, and and there'll be mistakes there, and we'll take advantage of them. But but we just, you know, we are struggling to do the easy things, and just picking up an easy five yards now and again is just it's really like you know trying to get blood from a stone sometimes with the Steelers' offense. So uh, you know, get some pass rush on Mitch Trubisky. I wouldn't be too too worried if I was honest. Yeah, well, we said that about Joe Flacco, and then look what happened. Yeah, when you talk about the 33-33-33 split, that's us in the secondary at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all swings and roundabouts, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, so, obviously, defense, is, uh, defense rules in Pittsburgh at the moment. TJ Watt, obviously, is, um, has caused your line to lose a bit of dynamism because it basically all runs through TJ Watt, much in the same way that realistically in Cleveland it runs through Garrett if you double block him and you don't have Clowney on the other side to cause some sort of uh, issue it all goes rather flat as we learned towards the end of yesterday um 
you know, is it a case of keeping it keeping it away from Minka Fitzpatrick? Is he kind of your you know, is that is that now seemingly the the way where your defense shines now is in the secondary? I think what what's to be encouraged about the Steelers defense from week one especially is that there is now an elite piece at each part of this defense. Um, when TJ Watt's there, you've got, you know, a, a real, you know, top up. I won't get into the Miles Garrett-TJ Watt debate, but you've got, oh, a, no, a, you know, this, a, this an, an elite. We can, have that, we can have that privately, yeah. mate. Don't worry about that. But, we've, you know, you've got an elite edge rusher there. Uh, you've got Cam Hayward, so you've got an elite presence on the D-line. Obviously, uh, Miles Jack, who we picked up in the offseason, has, has really hit the ground running in his role in, 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 in middle linebacker, sorry, and... We really needed that, like you wouldn't believe. Devin Bush has been such a disappointment over the last couple of years, and we've tried to fill that hole with various people, and it's just not quite worked. So, um, you know, Joe Schobert being the last failed experiment. So, Miles Jack is a, a breath of fresh air there in the middle, and then uh, yeah, like you say at the back, Minka Fitzpatrick, just just like a, another elite piece. So you've just got really, really top tier players at each level, and that allows that defense then to to not play scared, and you get in those explosive plays, and you saw that with. You know, five what was it four interceptions and a, and what was effectively an interception and a fumble recovery against Joe Burrow of all people in week one. So you kind of got a, a, a little piece of just what that defense could be. I think it really could be elite, but they also now are a little bit weakened without TJ Watt. You can see that they're, they're kind of lacking a key piece and they need to find a way to step it up. And sadly, they just don't have the depth. But um, to answer your question, I would say yeah, keep it away from Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, pick on Cam Sutton if you can on the outside. I don't know why I'm giving you all the advice you need, but I'm sure you won't share it with the. Um, the I, I don't think staff. we've got a main line to um, to Kevin Stefanski, mate. I wouldn't worry about that. But uh, yeah, if you can, if you can try and scheme a way to keep it away from Inker and let, get him uh, as little involved as you can, I'm, I'm sure you'd be fine. Yeah, bet high on Donovan Peoples Jones. That's what I'll be telling my fantasy team. That's what I told them. Is that whatever? Is that is that the out. new Browns thing? Is that the new fantasy obsession? <laughs> Uh, it's mine. It's mine. It did not work out last week. He had a total of zero receptions from one target last week. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick will be um, dedicated to Amari Cooper. So I'm thinking mm. if we can move it towards DPJ, that's probably the call there. Um, so obviously talking about Thursday's game, short week, which is uh, always great when you're coming off a loss. Uh, so both of us will be fired up. What are your thoughts on the game? You know, where, where do you see it being won and lost? Uh, this is a, yeah, this is a tough one to call. The, the Steelers need to be generating more pressure than they did last week. I think um, from I, I didn't get you know great eyes on your game. Obviously, I saw the back end of it after the Steelers game had finished. Um, but but Jacoby Brissett seems to be to be sort of filling in all right for you guys. Is that fair to say? Maybe a similar situation right. to Mitch right now. Yeah, efficient. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I think we definitely need to generate some pressure on on Brissett. Um, as to what I, the, the outcome, I'm kind of <laughs> teetering every day. I like to be optimistic, so I'm, I'm going to say uh, maybe a low score, and if we can keep the Browns' running game in check, a low score and win. Uh, I'd say maybe a a twenty to seventeen win for the Steelers. Is that too optimistic? God, how are we gonna How are we gonna stay awake? <laughs> twenty to seventeen. <laughs> it's anything like that Pats game. Oh, it's going to be a tough one at 4 a.m., I tell you that much. Yeah, definitely not uh, having any meetings on Friday morning, if that's the case. Bloody no, hell. that day off, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Sean, Owain, any questions for you guys for our uh, resident Steelers fan here? No, I was I was just going to ask about the cornerback situation, obviously, because Joe Hayden left last year, so 
Um, they didn't. I don't think they brought anyone in in the draft today. A corner. No. Um, but I was going to ask, like, what, how that's working out so far this season? Because I, I looked at the Steelers roster at the start of the season and sort of picked that out as a potential weakness. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask about that really. Yeah, it's funny because in Steelers Town, you know, everybody's obsessed with the O line, and I, I was kind of with you, and I've been championing championing the secondary as an area of concern for the last couple of years. But but I think we've been pleasantly presi- pleasantly surprised, tripping over my own words there, um, by the uh, the way the secondary is played towards the back end of last year and this year. Now we we brought in uh, Levi Wallace from Buffalo, um, who was an undrafted free agent, but but sort of played his way into a starting role there in Buffalo. Um, he he's looked good to start the season. Um, Akella Witherspoon is the the guy we picked up for a fifth round pick last year from San Francisco. He started towards the back end of last year, and and he's kind of a boom or bust guy, uh, kind of a guy who's a, a strong man corner. But he he's you know he's got all the athletic ability you want in the world. He might give up a play or two, but uh, he's the most likely to also grab you a pick at, at a key moment. So he, he's kind of a playmaker to watch. Um, and then Cam Sutton is kind of the guy who, as my co-host Gav likes to say, uh, he's a guy he wants to start in the slot. You think he's a really great nickel cornerback, um, but he's like tr- he's trying his best to start on the outside. It's kind of one of those situations where ideally you'd have him starting on the inside. Right now he- he's kind of starting on the outside a little bit. So um, I-, I think the position's actually performing a little bit better than I'd have expected. But uh, uh, yeah, I think cornerback is-, is a situation to watch for the Steelers in the draft going forward. But the old line is the priority right now. Yeah, and one one from me, Simon, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, sure. Not not obviously expected to see him on Thursday night, but obviously drafted Kenny Pickett. Um, obviously, I think the the question for most neutral fans, at least, will be when is he likely to see the field? I know Tomlin's been out today, sort of almost preaching a bit of patience when it comes to Mitch Trubisky. But let's be honest, we've seen Mitch Trubisky in his you know in his peak for for want of a better word, which obviously wasn't that great of a ceiling, was it? When he was at Chicago, I'm sure you weren't obviously thrilled when when you picked him up, but um, sort of what's your level of excitement for actually seeing Kenny Pickett and when do you actually think he sees the field this year? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have been a little bit sceptical as soon as the draft ended um, with the, not maybe sceptical is the wrong word, but but deflated a little bit. Obviously, where everyone was excited about Malik uh, Willis um, and we ended up with Kenny Pickett, the kid next door. And, and it, it, I think it's turned out from what we've seen in the preseason to be a great selection. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but Everything we saw in the preseason led us to believe that this is a kid who can really read the field at a high level. He's operating really quickly. He's, he's making all the reads. He's hitting guys accurately and on time and, and with precision uh, and with a bit of touch as well. And, and and I liked everything I've seen from Kenny Pickett so far in the preseason. And, and you know, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go crazy yet. We'll wait and see until he gets into some real NFL action. But everything we've seen so far is great. And, and as for when he gets in. If it was up to me, dude, it would be Thursday night. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that's a tough assignment for him. Maybe you want to give him till the week after. But the problem is, I think that the the Steelers' plan all along is to uh, have this as a bridge year and have Mitch Trubisky start for the full year. And we know that Mike Tomlin is wanting to, you know, change his plan for anyone. It'll take it'll take a real uh, a real push, I think, from coaches internally and fans to to make that happen. And we, we already saw the chance for Kenny. Uh, in the game the other day and and I, if I was to give it a guess I really don't know I, I would love for it to be after this Browns game and I think a lot depends on how the next two games go if we lose these next two games and the offense doesn't show signs of improvement I think you could start to see change internally 
And uh, that, that doesn't even limit itself to a firing internally as well. I mean, we, we might see offensive coordinator changes if things don't improve. Brilliant. Simon, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. Uh, good luck, obviously, on Thursday. I think that I'm scheduled to be on your uh, your podcast in, the, in a day or two, so that'll be interesting to... Uh... Yeah, well, I want to... Yeah, I'll, I'll chat with you about that. We might have to do that, because I think the way things have fallen is a bit awkward, but we might have to do this... Uh... The second matchup, if it's all right with you guys, and and one of you. Oh, for it's that. it's fine with me. I'm 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 happy to wait to go into enemy lines, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> cool. No, but, sounds good. Uh, seriously, mate. No, it's been a pleasure, and uh, all the best on Thursday. But obviously, not your complete best. Just maybe, <laughs> we'll try. maybe, we'll maybe try. just save maybe just save the fourth quarter stuff. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that that'd be good with me. But no, cheers, yeah, Simon. No worries. Take care, mate. Mate. Thanks. Brilliant. So then there were three again. So obviously, big matchup on uh, on Thursday. We, uh, we will now just go through our keys to the game. I think that a couple of them are obviously quite obvious and uh, almost come back to the issues of which we faced yesterday. After, well, yesterday late evening. But uh, Sean, what's your uh, what's your main key to look out for in this game? Oh, listen, we, we've trashed on the secondary enough and one of you two guys may well pick it up. But for me, it starts up front. We need to get more pressure. We need to get more pass rush. Um, I said as a bit of a throwaway comment a couple of weeks ago, Miles Garrett needs to actually earn Defensive Player of the Year and stop talking about it. Um, and yesterday was another example of one of those games for me where we just didn't see enough out of 95. Um, he, he was, was against. Yeah, mate. It was I'm sorry. Triple, triple listen, themed. Mate, mate, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm, I'm being realistic here, right? TJ Watt is always double and triple teamed. TJ no, Watt is always not. held. If you t- yeah. listen, listen, if you talk no, to any of the Steelers fans, that's listen, outrageous. Listen, listen, you are going to get this, right, from every fan base that thinks their Premier Pass Russia is held, he's double teamed, etc., etc. All right. Miles Garrett was in never... enough one on ones. Miles Garrett was in enough one on ones yesterday. To influence the game more than he did, all right. If he's the if he is the best defensive player in the league, which we all believe that he can be, then he needs to step up. To be fair to Miles Garrett, the biggest problem he has got, and this comes back to the off-season recruitment, the depth on that line is awful. Right, there is absolutely nobody on that line outside of Clowney, who is obviously out on Thursday, that strikes yeah. any fear into any opposing offensive line. All right, Chase Vinovich, sorry, just nowhere near good he was enough. Awful. He was awful coming in for him, yeah. yeah. Alex Wright, you know, rookie, no, you know, minimal expectations on a rookie to come in and contribute straight away. And we've talked already about the interior, all right? Miles needs to step up, as simple as that. You know, you can come out and you can say about the fans booing all you like, right? I'm a big Miles Garrett fan, huge Miles Garrett fan. Right, but whether he's double teamed, triple teamed, whether they put all five guys at the offensive line to block him, I don't care. He needs to start influencing the game more than he does. Simple as that. I mean, technically, getting more people to block him is impacting the game, and I'd say that the other members of the line need to step up personally. That's, but I don't. I tell funny. you what, let me let me just pose this to you because I have to. I'm so shocked by it. If the secondary is allowing guys in the middle acres of room within three seconds. And it's just easy pickings across the field, of which was all the Jets were doing seemingly all day. What's a Miles to do? Listen, right. All I am saying is that the guy is talked about as a star player, right? Aaron Donald is talked about as a star player. 
you see him making impact plays, whether he's double teamed or triple teamed, etc., etc. TJ Watt the same. All I'm saying is I expect more from the level of talent that the guy's got, the amount of money that he's being paid, the leadership role that he essentially has within the team, that I just think and feel that at times he needs to deliver more than what he has. That was a game yesterday where for large parts of it, he was pretty anonymous. All right. If you look at his end stat line, what was it yesterday? One hit as well as one sack. No other tackles, no tackles for loss. Right. It wasn't a great day at the office. And I'm a huge fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan. I'm not saying that this team would be better off without him or anything stupid like that. What I'm saying is he's our premier player on the defence. He needs to act like the premier player on the defence and he needs to be the difference in us winning one of these tight games. But we just slagged off the secondary for giving them everything. No, anyway, no, I appreciate it because the stat line did not go in his favour. Uh, Awine, what's your key to this game? So just picking up quickly on um, what Sean just said. So just had yeah. a quick Google on a pass rush uh, double team rate. And TJ Watt is actually behind Jadavion Clowney last year in rate the amount of times he got double teamed, um, obviously behind Miles Garrett as well, but I just wanted to hammer that point home by saying he was actually behind Jadavion Clowney too. Um, so just wanted to throw that one in there. Um, my key is keeping Minka Fitzpatrick as far away from the football as we possibly can. I think mm-hmm. <clears throat> the type of offence that we're playing and with Jacoby Brissett under centre is the type of offense that Minka Fitzpatrick thrives on. Obviously we saw I think it was maybe two seasons ago when uh, Minka was playing Robber and uh, picked off Baker Mayfield early on against the Steelers. Um in a game we ended up getting battered in. So that's one one thing I'm a little bit concerned about um on Thursday is this type of offense which is short to intermediate for me plays into Minka Fitzpatrick's hands a little bit. So that's the, that's the thing I'm going to be looking at on Thursday. Um, obviously, you know, all three of us could have gone <laughs> for the secondary, but I do expect them to be better. I, 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 you know, no part of me expected them to be this bad first game, first two games of the season. So I do expect them to be much, much better on Thursday, even though it's a short week. I, I just think secondary dominates on Thursday and the most important thing for us to do is to keep the ball out of Minka Fitzpatrick's hands. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, as we uh, as we discussed with Simon, you know, he's the heart of that defence. And at the moment, the Steelers, if they're looking for anything at all, it's, you know, turnovers via the secondaries. And Minka Fitzpatrick is obviously a huge part of that. Uh, my point kind of intertwined with that, which is about momentum and about hammering home wins. So, you know, if we can if we can have an efficient game of, you know, we'll we'll look to be passing under, passing away from Minka, uh, looking to get the run game in check, especially with their defensive line being uh, a little hampered by TJ Watts' absence. That's obviously going to prove key. But if we do get into a lead, we need to hammer it home rather than giving them the opportunity to get back. The Steelers have been good at hanging in games that they should not be in. 
you know, they were able to get the momentum swinging against the Bengals. The momentum started to swing towards them against the Patriots as well, even though the Patriots should have been far and away. The Patriots just played terribly and the Steelers hung in. So, you know, if the Browns want to want to give us short memories of this week, what they need to do is, is that if they do go seven, ten points up against them, they need to be able to actually hammer it home turn it into 17 points, 20 point, you know, we've, we were able to do it against a team like this. It's more of a case of just hammering it home more than anything else. So uh, that's my 10 cents there. Uh, in terms of predictions, lads, this one, obviously a tighter one. Um, I think that when we looked at the uh, initial four game, this was the one of which was the most contentious of the lot. Um, win loss and a score line. Who wants to jump in first? I'll go Browns to win by 13 points to six. I had the Panthers win in week one and we ended up winning. So I'm going to try and reverse jinx again and go Steelers 2018. Reverse jinxing means that you don't actually believe it. It's just that you're putting it into the ether. I'm playing to Um, the dogs. Fair enough. Well, if one of if one of us is, then I think that the pod technically is. So I'm going to um, go for what I believe in my heart, of which is a 24-17 win for the Browns. I think that we get up early and they'll try and get back late, but it won't be enough this time because we dare do it again. We might, but we dare do it again. Uh, quick fire as well, lads, on the um, on the NFL. I think that uh, let's take a look at the Pickham's League, shall we? At the moment, uh, I won't. I don't think I'm you're not in, still in this league. What, what's your current points? What, what's your current points status, mate? Because I'm I can obviously 18. give a. You're on eighteen. I'm on 18 okay. And I, did, and I did actually beat you this week. Oh, yeah, you did. I, I have to admit, I've not done well so far. I've only got eight points this week. Uh, obviously, with two games to go. Um, but I am still second overall. There is a there there is a Sean who um, teams maniacs who's got twenty two points. It seems almost absurd at this point, considering how topsy turvy the season's pick, been. I'm going to pick up on that one, and I'm guessing his name's Sean. So we'll get a proper pronunciation there before uh, <laughs> before we offend any any Welsh people in the in the league. Uh, all, all, all I see here is uh, first name and then followed by the first initial of the last name. There's definitely no nationality indicator or anything <laughs> like that. I could have been offending for a number of reasons, mate. I could just, be mispronouncing the word maniacs for all I know. <laughs> I'm actually one point behind the both of you overall. Um, you, so. you are, yes. Sean and I are both on 19. Sean's had a good week with 10 points so far. Um yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm clinging just on in second spot. Well, just want to say as well, I got laughed at for saying the Jaguars were going to win that division. It's week so two. Far, it's week two. I'm not having it. So it's week far, two. So far, they look really good. Still not buying the hype. Come back to me week eight, week nine. They battered the Colts. They them. did. They did. They and that just shows how and, bad yeah, the Colts are. The Colts have lost to the Texans. Well, they should have lost to the Texans. And they lost badly to the Jags. It's just bad Colts season. The Titans you have know, got this the, division in the bag. I'm, I'm not Texans entertaining anything else. They, they, look, the AFC South's a crapshoot at the moment. It's an absolute crapshoot at the moment. But I'm not... 
I'm not entertaining Jags win season just yet. Too Come early. On. Too Prepare early. Oh, God. Prepare I don't yourself. know what I said would happen if that came true. I don't know if I have to actually eat a hat on this thing. It's not. <laughs> anyway. Um, top six games in terms of how close they should be. Let's uh, pick them. Raiders at Titans. I went, I, I actually think I went Titans on this one. No chance, Raiders. I think. Uh, Did I go Titans on this one? I haven't done my guess, but, but the Titans stink, so I take the Raiders, yeah. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't done them yet, but I would probably go with the Titans, but that could change depending on how they get on tonight. I apologize. I went Raiders. I did go Raiders. I do apologize for that one. Saints Panthers. I went Saints. Has yeah, to be so. Saints, isn't it? Baker Mayfield let me down in in my gambling yesterday and yeah. yeah. Baker's not, not had a good start. You know, last uh, yesterday he was awful. And it's just not looking good for him at the moment. And I expect that to continue. Texans, Bears. Now, this one's an interesting one. Texans. I went Bears. Did Just could, to pick up on the could Bears. Could go either way. Did either of you see uh, Justin Fields' comments post-game press uh, earlier on today? Did not. No, enlighten us. So, Imagine Miles Garrett annoyed his fan base with what he said yesterday and then times it by a million and then <laughs> Justin Fields who basically said that the fans don't hurt because the players put in all of the work and the fans don't do anything. So, yeah, I think he may oh. have annoyed the whole Bears fan base after today. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I don't think that any of us would be quite that crazy. Jeez. No. Um, Packers Bucks. Oh, this one's actually pretty tight considering that the Bucks only came through at the end, and the Packers seem to actually have quite a comfortable game last time around. I did go for the home team Bucks, though. Depends who's going to suit up for the Bucks. Evans is banned as it stands. Were they going to have any wide receivers? Normally, normally, I'd take the Bucks. Stand though, like he didn't do a great deal wrong, really, did he? He pushed a guy, but other than that, he didn't do much. He instigated yeah, a fight, though. He, you know, it, it wasn't just that he was on the field already and he gave him a bit of a nudge. He literally sprinted from the sides <laughs> of the field. And, you know, if you could throw a punch into a he basically did what you could as close to decking the guy. Punches. I can't remember Chauncey Gardner-Johnson getting suspended or whoever punched. Oh, I think him. he did. I think he did in the end. Um, yeah, I think he did. He signed for us, didn't he? He signed for us, the guy that punched he him. He did, he? yes. Yeah. Um, I can't think, I can't think of who it is now. If um, uh, if someone knows that, then hit us up on the uh, hit us up on the comments before we go away, because I'd quite like to know without having to do any research. Um, just to go back to so, the game, I'm yeah. going to take, take the Bucks, because I think that secondary matches up very, very well to the Packers' inexperienced wide receivers. No. Sean? You can't yeah, sit I'll on probably, the fence probably... and say it depends. No, no, listen, I'll, I'll take the books. I mean, like I say, that's that's based on what we know today. I agree. I think Evans will get his suspension overturned as well. So. Ooh, that's an added little extra spice. Um, Atlanta Falcons go to the Seattle Seahawks. This one's... I actually think this will be a sneaky, fun game to watch. Because they both stink. 
Um, uh, but they both have a lot of heart. <laughs> <laughs> Seahawks at home. I Ooh. will go the Falcons because they've not looked that bad on offense so far. I so I picked these during the early games yesterday, and the Falcons actually seemed to um, seem seem to look okay when I was watching them actually do their thing. And I think that they might have enough to get over the Seahawks, but it's again this one's another fifty-fifty. I have to admit, I have not gone that far. You're going to have to take a look at that with a trainer. So. If he's out and DK Metcalf is on whoever their number two is, then that could be an issue. Final one, San Francisco 49ers at the Denver Broncos. The Broncos for me have been the most disappointing team so far through two weeks. They have been Just awful. And I'm I'm massively on the Broncos hype train. I'll take the Broncos, but I've got to be honest, I think the fact that Jimmy G's playing for the Niners now improves them massively. Um, yeah. but I'll take the I'll take the Broncos, I'll die on that hill. Yeah. In fact, actually before we hear it a wine's bit, I didn't know Trey Lance got injured and I thought he was just taking out the game that early. And I thought that I thought that Shanahan had just made that decision and I was applauding <laughs> the decision. Turns out it was because he was injured for the season, of which means that by the way, that is a front office masterstroke that they did not trade away Jimmy Garoppolo. It, and also that he's playing on the cheap. All of a sudden, this looks like a complete masterstroke from the front office. But, yeah, they look a lot better under Jimmy G, and he seemed to prove that yesterday, I thought. So I'm actually switching. I had it down as the Broncos on my NFL Pick'ems app, and I've now switched it to the 49ers for that reason. Awine, are you here to pour water on my parade? My Jimmy G parade. Yeah, I think we talked at length about my hatred of Jimmy G. and um, <laughs> So it may be hypocritical for me to go the 49ers. I am going to go for the Broncos. I think at some point they have to sort that out. They have to. No, They're too good enough. not to. Just like, just like our secondary is too good not to sort it out. That, that offense is too good to not sort it out. So... Uh, it might just be a case that it's just not a good fit. You know, the a Russell Wilson offense is a is a very particular offense, and it's a case as to whether or not it actually gels. I, it just seems that they're very disjointed. It might be like week ten until they sort it out. So you know, there's there's a number of different things at play there. I feel. Right, um, we're not going to do Barkham. We've already run quite a bit over, but there is going to be a podcast on Friday, at least with me. It might be with one of these two as well. Depends on commitments and all the rest of it. It's going to be an extraordinary pod after Thursday night football. It will be on Friday night, or if you're in the States, Friday afternoon, uh, just to go through the Steelers game. We will then be back as normal on Monday to do a preview for week four. Um but we'll also do a bit more barking mad, I think. I think that'll have a bit more of a preseason pod feel to it as well. And uh, hopefully by that point we'll be uh, we'll be three and one. Uh, do follow us at Believe in Brit on Twitter. We're also the Believe in Brits podcast on Facebook. You can also find us on YouTube. Uh, if you go to our link tree, uh, link tree uh, slash Believe in Brits, you'll find all the relevant links hit there hit subscribe because it does help get more people looking at our site for 
Browns fans, etc. Recommend us to your friends. Uh, share out the, you know, this uh, video if you're watching the live stream on Facebook and all the rest of it. We're we're young, we're fledgling as a podcast, and we just want to get to as many ears as possible for the UK and beyond. Wine, Sean, thank you very much, both of you for joining me tonight on what is a frustrating but albeit actually here's the question do you feel like you've catharted a little bit do you, do you feel a bit better for getting it out anyone yeah. yes no yeah no. a wine looks like <laughs> yeah. no a wine still looks like he could deck me to be fair so no, well um no. <laughs> no no not me others but not me um yeah, definitely. It's a uh, fire Joe Woods slash don't fire Joe Woods season over here. But apart from that, everyone stay safe. Enjoy Thursday. I really hope that we're able to enjoy Thursday slash Friday morning. We will see you again on Friday. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Brits podcast. 